And hello again to the Safe Toddles Podcast. I'm Dr. Grace Ambrosakin. I'm here with my co-host, Kelvin Crosby. Hey, Cal. Hey, 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 everybody. It's so good to see you, even though I can't see you. It's another beautiful day in the neighborhood, and I'm excited to have our guest today, Becky, and have her talk about her experience in working with kids with the belt cane. So, Becky, welcome. How are you? Thank you. I am so excited to be here today. Thank you for having me. Becky Homer is from the great state of Maryland. I got to visit there and see you in action with one of our early toddler cane students back when we were calling it a toddler cane. And you are really one of the first toddler cane fans, like a super fan. (laughs) And it was just the best thing for me to meet you and meet someone who got it so quickly and so well. So just can you start us off by talking about how you learned about the pediatric bell cane and um, why you thought it would be the right fit for your some of your students? Absolutely. I know that I was searching the internet because I didn't have a tool that was appropriate for my preschooler. She was she was blind with light perception and she was just afraid to move out of her space. And uh, we tried a, a white cane. We tried, made several adaptive mobility devices with a PVC pipe. We tried the push cart. We tried all the things and she just wasn't mobile to her ability. And so... Um, in my frantic searching, I came across the toddle cane at that point, and I was so excited and got everybody on board and got all the permission signed, and and then we were off and running. So what what do you mean off and running? Like literally, like like what? running well, up the stairs, down the mountains, and hiking <laughs> and jumping in the water and just having all this excitement, or like eventually we were there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, So this particular student, she had a lot of fear and she had a lot of learned helplessness and she was quite happy to be led by an adult to be carried or to be held by the hand to move. It took her a little convincing to be independent, to to wear the the belt and cane and to to really trust that she was going to be okay. But once she used it, once she began walking, then it was on. Then she was going. It was just convincing her to get going initially. And then she took off and everybody on the team was just we were all hooked. We were ready to, to strap them on to all of our students. Yeah. What was that feeling to you when you first saw her? Just she's asked you in this. Like this is really happening. It was so exciting. And I'll tell you, she was a crier in the beginning and she cried a lot. We were in a private school. And so it was a very close knit uh, community. And as soon as people would hear her crying, they were in the hallway finding out what I was doing to this poor kid. Um, <laughs> at one point, the secretary came out and picked her up during one of our lessons and she's like why are you crying (laughs) so part of it was getting the staff on board but then when she began walking and taking those first steps and she loved the elevator so getting her to her motivating places was was the easiest right the the water fountain and the elevator Mm -hmm. and once she discovered that she could get there without anybody else it was heartwarming but it was so much more than that it was this great sense of pride in her but also this emotion that I'm not sure I can really 
explain because I, I knew that we were on this precipice of helping so many more of our students gain that independence and that confidence. So she was how old when you first gave it to her? I want to say she was probably like two and a half. Yes, I would have guessed only because that age of two years old is the crying. And um, I think they call it terrible twos for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's in the dictionary, right? And is what else is behind that, do you think, in some ways that how can we help other professionals and families see that as a positive in the end, that this is part of the age. It's not a rejection of the cane itself, right? I agree. Um, I'm not sure about how to get them not to cry because, like you said, that's what they do. <laughs> but I think as professionals, we have to be okay with their crying. That's part of their development. Yeah. It's part of um, them overcoming their fear. And um, it's a form of communication, right? I'm so frustrated that you're making me be independent. And I really just want you to hold me. Um, and that's yes. their way to express that communication. And so um, helping them find their voice in a more appropriate way is, is part of what we do too. So not being afraid of the crying and, and uh, rolling with it. Can you kind of explain that transition? So when you were trying to introduce the belt cane to the staff, uh, to the people that were going to be with her, because since you were giving her the tools, you know, obviously you're probably not with her every day. So how was that transition working with the staff and the teachers and like, hey, this is really going to help her use the bell cane to keep it on and they keep using it so that she can gain that independence. Her parents were on board right away. They um, they loved having the bell cane at home and they would practice in their um, housing development and outside of their town home. And so they, they were huge supporters right away. Like I said earlier, it was a private school. And so they... I think it's a little bit of a different mindset. I didn't get to work cooperatively with her other service providers at that time. It was it was a little bit of a rocky start. We I had one person who was super invested at the school, and that's the person I worked with most closely to help get the other team on board. But once this little cricket went to public school, when she you know aged into her three year old program, everybody was on board. And her she had an assistant at the time who, from the moment we showed her how this little girl could walk with the cane it, it was it was never off nice. of her during her school day mm. so kind of to help us understand the power of having that cane on all the time what, what have you seen in the power of having that cane on um one of well i'll start with one of our challenges early on was the the preschool room was full of stuff, right? Every, which is why we need the cane, right? Grace was like, that's why you need the cane. There's so much stuff there. And I said, but she gets stuck on everything. She gets stuck on, she takes two steps and she's stuck on the cube chair. She takes two more steps and she's stuck on the kitchen set, right? And so we had to really have a lot of conversation about that. And one of the biggest difficulties for this student was learning to get under the table, get under the snack table or get under the table where her brow writer was with her cane on. But once we figured that out, then the rest of the day was cake because then, you know, once we figured out those hard places of, of her getting that spatial relationship of how long the cane is and how can I get it between these table legs and how can I sit comfortably because they, 
her PT loved the cube chairs. And so most of the kids were in those cube chairs, if you know what I'm talking about. And so fitting the cane, having a cube chair was wide enough for her and her cane and getting that cane under the table. That was the challenge, but she got it. And I knew that she had it one day. My favorite, one of my favorite almost brought me to tears moments was that this little girl loved light. She would find all the windows. She would find all the things. And we were in, it was the end of the year and we were in a room that was mostly packed up and but she could see the light from the window but there were so many boxes around this window and all she wanted to do was get to that window so she had her cane on and she's going to the window and she's finding things and she's bumping and she's getting mad and um and she's a redhead so when she's mad it's on right she hurt her ears her cheeks everything gets as bright red as her hair and she wanted the window and she figured out that if she found the box closest to the window turned around with her back to the window and then walked backwards to the window she could get the window and she could be that close to it so I knew from that that was a moment I knew that she had it she understood it she understood how to use it how to manipulate it how to make it work to her best advantage that's beautiful (laughs) that's nice and a lot of the things that we're still learning. I mean, everything that I know about this, um, the capacity of young children's ability to uh, use it has come from observations, has come from learning from them. And so some of the things that spring to mind are exactly what you're talking about there. What uh, We're going to get dinged on this, aren't we? Because of the backing up. What do you think is the next stage? Do we need to you know, worry about backing up? Like you you saw it as a positive, as do I, but I think we do have to kind of unpack it a little bit. Is it, is it something that we have to plan for, think about sidestepping? Obviously, anytime you back up or sidestep, you're not getting the benefit of the frame. Sure. Um, I, in this case, I think it was a celebration because she could fit front, she could walk frontward with a cane in front of her, but she couldn't get close to the window because there was such a narrow space. Right. So the fact that she can problem solve that was what was just the biggest celebration. Right. I think that it's about, like you said earlier, our observation. What do we see is happening? And I don't think that we can make one blanket statement for each child. I think that for this little girl, um, her figuring that out and backing up, I wouldn't want her to back up on the playground. Right. But in this controlled space, I think that it was it was awesome. So I think that it's about working closely with our students and their staff to identify times when the belt of cane or any cane, any device, we might need a little bit of an alternate plan. And it's okay yeah. to kind of address that for each of our students in the way that best suits them. And the thing to remember is she didn't ask or didn't attempt to take it off. Correct. And she could, she, she could pop that off when she wanted to. And this is not the first we are hearing of this. <laughs> we thought we designed it. Well, I think from this, like as you start learning the world, and I think we start using other techniques besides just a cane. We do have our hands. We do have our feet. We can use our hips. We can just start slowly walking. So, I mean, in some ways, she's learning how to use other parts of her body to understand the rest of the world with that belt cane. And I think that's something that's so beautiful about it is that the belt cane gives me so much power so that I can start using other parts of my body to tell me more information about the world as well. And in that specific case with the light in the boxes, like I mean, she, I could probably imagine like she'd kind of put, probably put her hand out to help her guide her through the boxes. Um, 
so that way she could know what that experience was going to be like if she went through that process um so i just it's just beautiful i mean i just love the whole story so (laughs) and she's one of three students that so far you've had canes with is that right becky that's right and so the the second little girl who was close after she is one of grace's stories where she wouldn't walk she would cruise in her own home she wouldn't walk at the preschool she wouldn't do any of those things but as soon as that felt it came went on within 20 minutes the child was running down the hallway she was off and going and and that was a beautiful thing to see too and she was another one who could pick it up when she when she reached the step or when she reached a curb she without me ever teaching her she picked it up and and did that on her own yeah so she was three years old right when she got it she was three she was already in the in the preschool program and we met her and knew that she needed she needed this cane and it it, she did not need convincing like our first little girl who needed a little a little bit of help wanting to use the cane this girl put it on and and was was literally running And that's really the difference in what we see in those age groups. The two-year-olds need a little more convincing. The three-year-olds. And what's interesting also for me is we know that at one and at two, potentially she had shown walking, exploring, but then we get to three and it's less so, right? It's more holding on to things and people. It's an evolution, like a, a start and a stop that we start to worry about. We always think, oh, we dodged a bullet. They're going to be fine. And then it's like, no, no. But then it it doesn't take a lot of convincing. 20 minutes with it on and she's ready to go. I mean, that shows you that she self-selected to not cross open Mm -hmm. space for out of caution, let's say. And and something about having that in front and that frame, she understood intrinsically. That she now could do get back what she want clearly wanted to do um, and was stopping herself from doing yes. it. That just gives me goosebumps. What do you think? And she loved. And we were talking earlier about how, or maybe it was your previous podcast, where the frame just gives you so much information. And she loved the. Um, we were in a outside portable type classroom, and she loved the metal. It was a metal porch kind of thing and a metal ramp. And she loved going up and down those metal ramps and porches with the cane because it made number one it made noise and number two it gave such a nice vibration and she and and i you might get dinged for this one too grace but she loved to twirl so she would put it on on those metal porches and she would just twirl with that thing on and the sound and the vibrations for her were you know they were big ticket items well i have also seen a more purpose for twirl with the belt on so that they kind of twirl and contact a wall and then they twirl the other side and contact so it's still there it's still there it's it's not such a mindless twirling and also they'll move out and find something else and move and then go and and sort of investigate there would you agree somewhat to that sure Um, sure i would um but i also see three-year-olds on the playground twirling and spinning because it's the vestibular right (laughs) all of that information is fantastic so The fact that she felt like she could do that safely was was a nice thing. Nice point. Nice point. Yes. All right, Kelly. What were you going to ask? So, I, I also, wanna, I'm, I'm just so excited about all these stories because it's like it's like when I felt the bell came, 
it was one of those experiences like this makes so much sense it's like i wish i could have it like it i shoot i mean i was starting around it may actually lose some weight here uh, <laughs> but um, you're too tall <laughs> <laughs> but uh so you said you also had another student how old was that student and like was a similar story yeah. or were there some other challenges? So he he was older. He I was worried that he might be at the top end of the um, belted cane range. And he again was um, he was almost five. He was maybe four and happy again to hold an adult's hand, right, and not be independent. And he took a little convincing too. But I think that he was that was his nature across the board. And I only see him. He's I, he's in a different state, and so I only get to see him once or twice a month. And so when I went back to see him the next time, his teacher, the visually impaired, she's like, you're not going to believe this when you see him. And I went into his classroom and he and I said, hi, I'm here. To, we're, we're here for our O&M lesson. And he just stood up and he didn't have his, I'm sorry, but he didn't have his belt cane on. And he went to his cubby and he put it on all by himself. His belt was already on. So he just went to his cubby, got his, um, his frame, snapped it on. And off we went. He he was amazing. Like it, it was a huge transformation. And at the end of the day, I was walking with him to the bus, and he said, "Miss Becky, um, I don't have enough room right now for my for this to go around my coat." So he just took it off, popped it off the belt, and he kind of put it on the outside of him without the belt, and then held it and pushed it in front of him. And and I and I said, "My job here is done. You don't even need me to come back." <laughs> right. Right. Oh my goodness, which is really that's the transition that we're all want to let other O&M specialists know and teachers and everyone that it's just like everything for a little designed for a little who needs adult supervision all the time that they are going to transition just to even perhaps more seamlessly to the next phase of the tools that are at hand when they have a real concrete experience like this. They get it. They they like having that in front of them, and they like that it well, it works. It's so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, you, you just proved to me that I wasn't crazy <laughs> when I felt that came. <laughs> Um, I, I was walking around the house with my back bent over and just pushing the cane around, the belt cane. I'm like, man, I just wish I could get this on my hip. But I was like, man, the, oh, I, could, I could feel the grooves in the tile. I could feel the groove, the, the different parts of the carpet. And I'm like, I can't go outside with this. The people think I'm crazy, but like you, you just, you just proved <laughs> why. Why I was like this. This is this is why I believe in this so much because it it gives you so much information, and as a toddler, like you're just learning just everything, and you start building that muscle memory. You start building that path and building that confidence and. Just everything that just so beautiful about the whole belt cane process and just allowing those small motor skills and the big motor skills start coming together and uniting as one. And it's just. Well, I think it's a it's a jumping off point. I feel as what this product has helped us to see is that we need greater investment in lots more options because yes there are taller kids mm. older adults people who for whom the long cane is not working they're not able for whatever reason physically or mentally or 
accommodation to keep swiping it back and forth in rhythm with their step. And even if they do it perfectly, it's only 65% or 56% or something, you know, terrible like that in terms of it's going to find every obstacle. It's not. It's not going to find everything in your path. And so, you know, even we were at a sports camp trying to integrate and I've later seen um, Professor Lieberman try to incorporate regular long canes into some running activities on the grass. And she's right to say, I mean, she hasn't said this to me personally, but when you see the video, it's a tough it's a tough haul to try to get a long cane involved in an active, fast sport. On the other hand, I think what that means is we need maybe the rectangular canes, the AMDs in those shapes to try that. And if those don't work, what other shape, what other designs, what uh, at the bottom, running canes, the fact that we need more ways for someone who's running, who can't see the path to get good path information. If we could just put that as a priority, I know the ideas would come. I know that we would find more solutions. Yeah. Well, I'm coming up with some ideas. Wonderful. I, I have some ideas. <laughs> and I, I have one more to um, put out to you, Calvin. So I have a girl who uses a reverse walker, but not because she needs the, su- the support of the re- reverse walker, but p- because she needs the ground preview. And she won't hold a white cane mm-hmm. and she won't hold a rectangular cane because it, it isn't quite fluid enough for her. It kind of pulls her to one side. Yeah. And so... I need something like the rectangular cane, but that is freestanding. So when she lets go of it, it doesn't fall yeah. to the ground. So there's something else to think yeah. about. Which they have all sorts of designs. Uh, I like it. And, I'm, I'm loving it. But they're not manufactured in a way that we could just go and buy it. And I am not that handy. <laughs> I can't go in my garage and make it. I need to go to well, the bot. Uh, it just come to me and I'll help you out. I got it all. I have it all in my garage. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? We need an investment. And the problem is that there, we're, we're a small community, but I just don't think that we're that small if you think about the older adult population yeah. who really needs it. And one of the other topics, though, before we – I know we're running a little over, but mm-hmm. there is this kind of underlying wish that we didn't have to have an exterior of capacity tactile path device they have spent millions upon millions of dollars looking at laser and sonar and all sorts of other things other than a white stick other than a frame and yet the best possible thing is like a seatbelt it stops you physically from that collision i mean we were at this camp and we asked some college kids we gave them two options to run without or three options with the cane without anything or with a rectangular frame and they all chose to go without anything although we were going to blindfold them mm-hmm. Do you and they were sight- they were sighted <laughs> Um, students. They were excited. And and tough, you know, physical ed, like really strong, capable, athletic people. The one young man was broken by the end trying to run through because he was just he he just turned into this mush of when will it be over? And then he pushed the rectangular cane through like a lawnmower, like so he stood up straight and pushed his way through and got there. But even after that, when you asked them which they would prefer they said to go without anything. And yeah. and so although objectively you could see he was better off with the rectangle, 
yeah. he still had a cultural bias to thinking that somehow the hierarchy was to be without. So how do we change that culture? How do we get, elevate the white cane to the same status as a wheelchair and that it is the most important thing to add to someone's for quality of life? And, you know, not that anyone wants a wheelchair, but what, if you're paralyzed, if you had a choice, I think you choose to go with a wheelchair than to, to not. And, and I think, yeah. as, I think <laughs> as a society, we have to start normalizing our differences, right? It's okay that you need a cane. Who cares? Yeah. But as a society, we have to understand that just normalizing it, it's, it's just who we are. And so when we make it yes. a huge thing and a huge difference, when we say, I get so frustrated with my parents and teachers who say he just wants to be like everybody else. And I'm always the mean one who says, but he's not like everybody else. He's different. And um, it doesn't mean he's better or worse. It just means he's different. So let's work with that difference so that he can be independent, right? And so I, I know that I hurt parents' feelings when I say that. But until we normalize it, we're going to continue to have those conversations. Yeah. Good point. Well, Becky, I appreciate your time today and just sharing your stories and bringing us so, so much joy and knowing that the belt can't really change in lives. And this is why I've joined forces with Grace to make sure we get the word out and continue to encourage parents, people, uh, teachers as well, O&M instructors that are working with these infants and, and these little toddlers to be able to have that freedom and understanding. So again, Becky, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed our time together. Me too. So that wraps us up today with Safe Toddles Podcast. So if you want to get contact us, you can go to safetoddles.org or you can also email us at info at safetoddles.org. As well, you can find us on social media, on any social media platform you like. Hit us up there and see how we're helping toddlers overcome their challenges. You guys have a great one. And go live beyond your challenges. Have a great Safe Mobility Monday. Bye now. Mm-hmm.